When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Hey guys, this is Daniel with Royal Horses. You're listening to Jay Scott with the Hooks Rock Rock Community Podcast. Rock on. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Hope you're doing well out there. Hope you're staying safe and staying healthy. It is a crazy time, as we all know, but we're all getting through it some way or another. A lot of us are utilizing the power of music to kind of become a distraction for what is going on. We just don't want to hear anymore see anymore we just want to try to just put it all out and forget about it and move forward accordingly we are the escape that you need we hope we are the escape that you need talking music interviewing great guests like we have today from the band above snakes we have johnny skulls and dax dabs how you guys doing today man what's going on great how you doing doing well doing well thank you very much for doing this i uh been listening to you guys now here for a couple of weeks. Um, you've got the new videos that are out, the new songs, the last one that was released about a little over a month ago. And, uh, you know, the song Never Alone has been in my ear now for a good part of maybe 10 to 14 days. It's a great track. And we're going to get to all of that. But um, I like to start the show the same way we always do. And that is the essence of the podcast. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, single moment? Well, yeah, um, it could be anything. It could be a song, it could be an album, it could be someone you saw live or whatever it was. I think uh must have been like Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. After hearing that album, the rawness and the 
the aggression and the attitude of it just I just knew exactly what I wanted to do be a rock style like them you know yeah yeah was it is that the same for both of you guys uh yeah anything from like that type of era you know Guns N' Roses Metallica or um even getting into like a different style of music you know stuff like Blink-182 um because we like all genres of music so anything catchy or heavy at the same time I guess but yeah those types of bands for sure now, when you guys were, you know, first introduced to music, you know, and, and you got hooked on Guns N' Roses and other bands, too, from that era, where did it go from there? You know, I always talk about the evolution of the artist. It starts with you hearing something that kind of just <laughs> takes you by storm and it connects with you. You feel it. You, like, want to breathe it. It's just all in you. And then it starts to become more for some people. You want to start performing. You want to pick up an instrument. What was the next steps for you guys? Um, yeah, I was always a drummer. So I started off in the drums. And like I said, with the whole Guns N' Roses thing, my cousin was a drummer in a band. And um, <clears throat> I would go watch him practice with his band and stuff because I was younger at the time. And, you know, after hearing that and hanging out with them, and I, you know, fell into that world and then got a drum set, started taking lessons, you know, started playing small shows around VFW halls and stuff. You know, I remember I, I went out and did, like, a show in New York, and it was, like, a bigger crowd, you know, like 400, 500 people. And I was I got on stage, and I was like, yep, this feels right. We got to make this happen and make this a reality every night, you know. Yeah, the adrenaline must that be was- must be addict, addicting in itself, right? Getting on there, getting on stage and, and, and playing for people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, that's got to be – there's a lot of people that don't know what that feels like. And, you oh, know – It's the best feeling in, in the world, for sure. Yeah. What else? What else, uh, you know, was was the was part of the evolution for both you guys? <clears throat> I mean, just um, attending, like, local shows, too. Um, starting to see how, um, you know, shit was run um, and built up there from – from local to a, uh, like a touring band, so you know, getting to live that whole evolution, you know, definitely helped where we are now for sure. You know, when you're going through this whole process, you know, you, you mentioned the Guns N' Roses "Appetite for Destruction" album, which is a huge album for a lot of people, very influential album. And then you talk about you know playing small halls and picking up instruments and and you know becoming where you want to have a career in music, you want to do this, you want to, you know, pound the pavement and play in clubs and, 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 you know, be that artist that kind of rises up from the ranks. What, you know, when, when you guys decide to do that, you know, I'm sure it's different for, for, for the both of you. I'm sure there's some similarities as well, but when that happens, you know, for you guys, what, what is that like? I mean, do you guys understand what the work involved is in, you know, becoming a working musician and a touring musician? Is it just following a dream? What is it like that, you know, for you guys? It's definitely um, a lot of work, you know, and a lifelong goal and dream, you know. Like you said, we started off small and, you know, played local shows and then graduated to the van and trailer and, across the United States and different bands and everything. That's actually how we both met. And um, and then fast forward a bunch of years, 
being out, we lived in LA and playing for different people out there trying to make it. And that's kind of how this whole above snake band was born. And it started as an idea when we kind of just got sick of playing for other people and being the, the backing band and everything and people members in the back and dealing with egotistical singers and everything. And it kind of sat us back and we just like, we're not going to do this for ourselves. We don't want to do this anymore. Um, and I kind of went off on a tangent in there, but that's kind of like how the, the path of this whole thing started and it's taking its shape. Now, you guys are both from Boston, right? Yep. Now, making that way out to L.A. and being in other bands, you know, what is that like, making the decision to go from, you know, to go pretty much the whole way across the country to pursue a dream? <clears throat> It was a lot, you know, I packed everything in, in my van, everything I had, a couple drum sets and, and took off. It was definitely the place that I wanted to go and, and thought that's where I needed to be to make this a reality, you know. Um, growing up watching like Guns N' Roses, and Sunset Strip and Motley Crue and everything. Um, and it was great being out there for about five, six years. But it's just not, I just feel like it's not where home is not where the heart is so that's why we ended up moving back to boston and and uh getting this band off the ground here and that's very true too i mean you know when when we think about the scene you know on the sunset strip you know there's all these bands that were there in the late 70s into the 80s and and beyond and it it's this atmosphere that we all have in our head like oh my god that's so awesome but now the way music is in, in the way the music business is, is that you really don't need to be there to do that, right? The scene has become more global than anything, whereas, you know, before it was, you know, central to certain areas of the country like L.A. and New York, and then, you know, then you had Seattle, and then there were pockets in other cities too as well, like Boston, like Chicago. And now, you know, a band can reach pretty much anyone on the on the you know on earth from you know from Boston you can reach people in Canada you can reach people in Europe wherever the case is where that never was the case before so that's an, an advantage that didn't exist years ago no yeah 100% i agree with that um i think that ultimately also helped the decision of being able to move back and still do this i think in the beginning we were like you have to be out there you know LA is the hub it's where you need to be to make it happen but like you said the the industry's always changing in um, <clears throat> such a digital-based world now and so many other means of getting in touch with people a lot quicker and easier. So that's why it was an easier decision to move back here and, and still pursue the band. So the band history, you mentioned briefly that you guys met while you were you know, in other bands and you know, playing behind egotistical lead singers. Who was, who was it that coined the phrase... I think it was Eddie Van Halen, you know, uh, lead singer disease, I think he called it, um, which was a pretty, uh, uh, rem you know, remarkable comment because in a lot of cases it can be true. But what was the formation of Above Snakes? Where where, where does the history lie? Um, it's Like, it is brand new, as we were saying. We, the first single came out in July, um, this past July. But previous to that, Zach and myself met years ago. Like I said, he was in. A, we were both in Boston, and my band had just broke up at the time. And we did a photo shoot previous with this photographer. 
So I contacted him. And I was like, hey, you know any uh, bands that need a drummer? And he's, he's like, yeah, actually I do. This band, um, the drummer can't get back into the country. He had a work visa and it expired. He's stuck at the airport and they have to leave for tour in two days. So I went down, met up with Dax and his band at the time. Um, ran through the set and we were like, cool, you got it, let's go. And we jumped in the van and drove straight from Boston to Seattle to start that tour. And that's uh, how we met. And then fast forward a bunch of years, we did different things, kind of went our separate ways. And then I was living out in LA and uh, my contact with Dax. I was like, yo, I got a room. Why don't you come out here and uh, come live out here for a bit? And then he was doing some things in LA. I was doing my things. And then that's kind of when we were just like, you know, we're fed up with this. You know, what? loving the thing that you you know doing every day and supposed to be your passion in life and you're dreading dealing with the people that are in the project with you we're just like let's change this and uh start something fresh just the two of us you know when you so talk that's ultimately how it started when you talk about you know the band and the history and, and you know being in other bands and kind of learning what you like and what you don't like you know through other experiences what is the the collaboration like for above snakes I mean, it's all, it's all about meeting that person that, like, you can gel with and you can work with because I think a lot of the time in my past bands, at least, um, it was, like, a lot too many cooks in the kitchen and it's hard because a lot of things get compromised when you got to have input from everyone and, and, you know, always gel or work right with that all those people, you know? So when you find someone that you can work with well and you guys just, you know, are staying together, you got to roll with that and you got to run with it. And that's kind of how we are, so... We just work well together, and then we bring out our ideas, and we go into the studio, and we work with uh, our boy, Kyle O'Dell, and get the finished product out there. As far as music, though, goes, you know, when, you know, how is that process? Writing music with each other, is there, you know, one or two members that handles that, or is it is it a group effort? No, it's usually uh, just me and Johnny. Um you know, start either with a guitar riff and maybe he'll lay down a drum part or vice versa. And then we just, you know, usually we might start with a melody. And then, um, like you said, from there we just go into Kyle. But yeah, usually it just all starts with me and Johnny. You know, one of the things that I noticed about you guys and how you present the band is the imagery is really cool. And it reminds me of those days where you know, you're a kid in a record store and you're thumbing through albums and there's this cool looking album cover that you're like, wow, this is really interesting. This is really intriguing. I got to hear what this sounds like. And when I see, you know, the website and the promotion for, you know, whether it's Never Alone or Adrenaline, you know, there's a, there's a sense of imagery, very similar to the cover of the Guns N' Roses album or Iron Maiden covers that really kind of stands out because you don't have a lot of new bands that are very conscious about that type of imagery that used to exist. A lot of new wave of British heavy metal bands used to do the same thing as well. And it's really awesome that you guys kind of bring that back, um, you know, for, for your audience and for anyone that, you know, might be interested in what, what your music looks like, not necessarily what it sounds like in the beginning. No, thank you. That's, um, it really is a big part of it for us. You know, like you said, a lot of bands aren't doing that or kind of fell by the wayside, but like, that's what I grew up doing, like grabbing the booklet from the inside of the CD and stuff. And like, 
you know, coming through and looking at all the pictures and reading about the band. And, you know, I definitely missed that. As times were changing and people weren't putting out stuff like that anymore. So, you know, once we started this thing, we had the platform. We're like, we want to spend the time and, you know, get it to look the way we want and be interesting to people instead of just slapping something simple together and calling it a day and putting it out there. We definitely put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, st- I still think of the moment I saw... I was at a a neighbor's house and they had this huge wall poster of Iron Maiden Number of the Beast. And yeah. I had not heard any Iron Maiden songs previous to that. I think I was like 8 or 9 years old. But I just remember staring at this poster like, you know, my god, like like what is going on? This is so cool and you know, so dangerous at the same time. And, you know, yep. hearing the music and also then you see the album covers for whether it's Peace of Mind or Live After Death or any of the stuff that they did. I don't know if I would have listened to Iron Maiden had it not been for the imagery. Um, you know, the imagery I found so interesting that I had to hear, like I said, what it sounded like. And a lot of people listen visually right now. You know, they listen with their their ears just as much as they do with their eyes. And, you know, when you're when you're a young kid... And you're looking for something that's interesting because you're tired of the same stuff over and over again. The imagery you guys have will stand out. Will be like, I know if I was a 15, 16 year old kid and I'm, you know, looking through stuff online to listen to, you know, look at the the Never Alone cover of the single. It's like this is badass. I got to listen to this. I got to check this out. Thank you. Yeah, we really do love the artwork. It's, uh, it came out dope. And we have another single that's going to drop in um, a few weeks to uh, kind of conclude this this little trio of songs. And um, it's got another kind of artwork similar to that. They all kind of fit together. And uh, we're pretty stoked for it. I think you'll dig it as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Is there, you know, a common storyline, you know, with these songs, with the imagery that you have? Because as we know, too, you know, Iron Maiden is, I brought them up before, but they're very conscious of a storyline, you know, throughout different albums and different types of imagery with Eddie. Um, Do you guys do the same thing? What's what's that about? Um, Yeah, so that it kind of just tells the story of where I was, you know, in life at the time and living out in LA and you know kind of going through the motions kind of zombie like you know playing for other people drowning myself in addictions and vices and you know having a good time but also probably going a little past having a good time and everything and um that's kind of what the artwork is it's kind of like a zombie version of myself um on those covers there no, I'm just I'm looking at it right now. It's it's just captivating. It really is. And and you know, you got you, the music you guys have is phenomenal, you know, whether it's the song Never Alone or Adrenaline. And but here's the issue, right? I mean, here's the issue with rock and roll today is you need more than a good song. And you need something to stand out. There's a lot of great new bands that are out there. And some stand out for certain reasons, but you know, having this imagery I've interviewed, gosh, I don't know how many new bands for this podcast. Very few have anything that's like this, that that is able to captivate someone's mind. I mean, I'm in my 40s, 
But for a young person, I mean, I got to imagine, like I said, this will be, this is like, wow, like, what, what is this? I got to check this out. So it's almost like you're giving someone a reason to open the door, so to speak. For sure. Yeah, no, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, it's mainly, we just, like, like you said, you know, we think it's dope. And like you said, a younger person wants to look at that. We think like, oh, the younger version of us would like this. And even, you know, people our age or whatever. As long as it's something dope that we think it's sick, we're going to put it out and hopefully other people gravitate to it. You know, when you're putting together the music and you're writing the music, is there a sense of what the image of the music will be? Um, yeah, sometimes it comes a little quicker than the others, but I definitely got a feeling of what it needs to be, you know, mm-hmm. and then we'll just work on it from there. Because it's interesting, you know, because, you know, you have a song you're writing and, you know, if you're envisioning what the imagery of the song or what, you know, what the song looks like, when you close your eyes and you hear music, you can, you have certain images in your head of what it's making you feel or, you know, what, what it may portray and tying that in, you know, to, to have kind of both and kind of have like this theme with each song. um, That's an interesting way to create music. Yeah, no, um, the artist that we worked with on these these three covers, he's the um, same guy for all of them. And it was very, honestly, very easy. Like, we gave him straight up notes, and we were like, this is what we want. And he just delivered right on that. I feel like a lot of times in the past bands that I was in and didn't have full control or whatever, and, you know, there's a bunch of few ideas, but no one's really certain exactly where it should go, and you kind of leave it up to the designer, and then he's given his ideas and coming back, and it's kind of not what you expected, but, like, for these we were like we want this 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 and this and then he just like knocked it out of the park and sent back draft yep that's exactly what we were picturing so it was honestly just just worked out when you're playing live in your your live shows how are you going to incorporate this type of image that you have for the band um i guess everyone's gonna have to wait and see we haven't played live yet since we're a brand new band in this whole pandemic issue you know mm-hmm. but um it's gonna be high energy and uh we just can't wait to get out there and show you guys yeah i can't wait because that's i mean i mean i'm a huge maiden fan and i've seen maiden a lot over the years and what's always interesting to me is how they're going to you know portray the album live because there's you know there always there's always a theme and they always kind of you know make their stage up depending on what that theme is um so this kind of this does get me excited because you know i'm i'm used to interviewing bands that you know are are blues based and new bands and and you know they have their their image for their how they look and how the band name presents itself but to kind of have like this creature and the story to go along with the music is i love it i think it's awesome thank you thank you yeah, thanks so, much. so what is yeah the- i'm not sure how we'll incorporate him but we're definitely gonna you know bring some cool shit to the live show sure like you said we're very visual and, and we just want someone to you know people to be able to see a show that they're gonna remember that's awesome a couple dudes standing on stage playing their instruments what is the plan for you guys? I mean, I know this pandemic has kind of thrown a wrench into into the plans for a lot of bands. Um, you know, releasing new music now is a challenge because you obviously want to back it up and tour on it and play for people once they hear the music. People do have attention, you know, short attention spans these days. You know, 
They forget about things. They tend to forget about things very quickly. It's frustrating for a lot of bands, whether you're a legacy band that's been around for a while or whether you're a new band like Above Snakes that um, that is releasing new music. What What is the thought process for you guys going into 2021? Well, in March, we're going back into the studio with Kyle. Um, we're for almost two weeks, so hoping to knock out a couple new ones and then um, decide whether we'll do um, you know, like an EP or an album. But as far as touring goes, hopefully try and get on a tour by the fall or if not, you know, hopefully by uh, next year and definitely uh, try and get on some of the festivals as well. Yeah, as soon as they open the doors to stuff again, you know. It was definitely um, nerve-wracking to the release during the pandemic, right in the middle of it. But also, we kind of feel like it was good. It was good to set the roots and get the the uh, band growing, you know, while people at home can listen. And we just wanted to put the feelers out, get these songs out, and then bring you the next set of bangers. Yep. I agree. I mean, there is a lot of time to listen to music. I mean, that's one of the things that's helped me get through this pandemic is listening to new music, revisiting some of the stuff that maybe I have forgotten about or maybe didn't connect with originally. But I think it's really hard to judge really what's going on with music these days because everything's been paused and we really don't know what people's listening habits are. I've talked about how this is a chance for rock and roll to kind of capture a new audience, especially a younger generation, because there's a lot of young people who are sick and tired of e-learning and they've got a lot of angst and, and anger, you know, within themselves. And what's better to cure that angst and anger than an outlet of called rock and roll in rock music. And I think it's, it's a, it's a positive for rock music because as you guys know, it's kind of taken a back seat over the last decade or so where, you know, it's 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 kind of forgotten about. I know people talk about, you know, rock music de- being dead. It's never going to die. We know that. But it does need, you know, a kick in the ass. And it does need to connect with the younger generation. What are your guys' thoughts on the state of rock music? Um, I think it definitely took a back seat for a while. But, like, it's crazy because all the bands that I grew up listening to, you know, are thriving again. And there's definitely a lot of new bands coming up in the scene. The rock world is definitely um, revitalizing itself for sure. And we're just happy to be a part of it and, uh, you know, hopefully help bring it back into the mainstream. That's the biggest thing, dude. We want it to be like, you know, how it was with the Limp Biscuits and the Corn and everyone. The old MTV days, like, larger than life rock stars, you know? Especially with the festivals, you know, before COVID, a lot of the, fe- you know, Festivals are getting very you see the ones that were one day become two days, and then the ones that were two days now are three days. So each year, you know, they're getting bigger and bigger. 100%. Yeah, I, I do think that people underestimate what's happening in rock music. You know, I think you know, anyone can look at album sales and say, oh, well, it, you know, it's not doing that well compared to all these other pop artists or country artists or hip-hop artists. But... When you look at, like you just mentioned, festivals, you know, going from one day to two days to three days and more festivals, right? It seems like every year there's new festivals that are added strictly for rock music, especially out in in the UK and in Europe, too, as well. Um, It's hard to, you know, state what the success is because the music industry is so different. 
it used to rely solely on album sales. That's how you determined a band's success. Obviously, now with streaming services and the way people absorb music, that's no longer what people judge music on or success in music. It's touring. It's how what tours or what festivals you, you get on. And people make money now differently than they used to. But I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think it is growing. You guys mentioned all the bands that are coming on the scene. You know, whether it's a band like Above Snakes or whether it's something like, you know, a band like The Struts or Tyler Bryant, rock and roll is becoming a force again. And I think with the pandemic and, you know, with all these new young artists that are coming out, plus when we celebrate stuff like ACDC's new album or the Motley Crue movie that came out a couple years ago, that's all a celebration of rock and hard rock and metal. And we need more of that, right? We need to start doing right by those artists and having young people become interested in those artists because those young people will then want to find their own bands. They'll want to find Above Snakes. They'll want to find the other bands that are out there. I think that needs to happen more than a pop artist making a heavy metal record, you know, or a hard rock record. You know, rock fans want authenticity. They don't want someone who feels like making a rock album. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, that's definitely a big difference there. You know, it is, you know, um, a funny time like you mentioned. You know, you're putting out music. You don't know when you're going to be able to tour on it. What are some ways that you're able to capture an audience or ideas that you're putting out there to try to grab an audience? I mean, I know you guys got a lot of views on YouTube, which is pretty positive for a band that's never toured and for a band that's only got two singles. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, basically we just have more time to sit around here and figure out how we want to present this thing and, and the visual mainly, um, this new video that we just, uh, finished shooting. We built the whole set here ourselves, made like a room setting that lifestyle, 16 foot, uh, walls made out of foam and, and did the whole thing up. And, uh, teamed up with crystal head vodka and they sent us a bunch of products and we made a cool B room with that. And, um, you know, just having that extra time to be super creative and design how we want this, you know, band to look and everything, and the image as well. It's been super helpful. to have that extra time. You know, some of the things that have come up as a result of people not being able to play shows is, you know, what's it like going to be once shows are, are a thing again? You know, when people start playing live shows, is is the capacity going to be affected? Are, are 500 people clubs going to become 200 people clubs? Is a 10,000, you know, arena, small arena going to be able to be able to fit 4,000 or 5,000? So there's a lot of questions on how that will come to be, especially in certain markets. Certain markets will be different, but you just mentioned the vodka company that you talked about. Do you think it's important for bands to align themselves with products that are into your music that maybe want to sponsor you for tours or for videos or, or whatever other ideas that you have? Do you think that's going to be part of the future for music? Um, yeah, I think it will take a part for sure. Um, Endorsements definitely help, and especially if you can line yourself up with something that you, you know, truly like and use all the time. That's why I was so stoked on the crystal head thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, you know, I did, you know, I've had this conversation about 
you know, if if you're getting paid X amount of dollars based on a certain number of people being at a capacity or certain capacity of of a room that you're playing, and those that those capacity numbers change, so that means you know it trickles down. The money that you're able to get from a club isn't what it used to be temporarily or who knows how long will there be a need to go out and find sponsors to subsidize the money that you normally would make on a tour it's an interesting question because there's a lot of unknowns right now right i can't like kind of how they're doing start doing those packages like the more meet and greet packages and the signing bonuses and the extra things that because i feel like bands need that you know to to survive now with so many clubs and venues are actually shutting down and everything because they just couldn't stay open and what's that going to be like you know when this does pick back up and even at that so like now with the vaccination and everything is it going to be a point where like you got to show on your phone that you've been vaccinated or you don't have this thing before you can get into the venue you know yeah and have a mask on like there's just going to be a lot that we don't know yet and it could all be fine, but it definitely could be kind of weird as well. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, at least for the, the short-term future, right? I mean, you'd have to think the things that you just mentioned and the things we're talking about will have to be put in place, you know, for at least first year, two, three years, who knows? But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you're going to have to be creative if you're going to want to try to maximize the dollars and revenue so you can keep touring and making new music. So there's got to be creative ways to do that. Um, and things like sponsorship, things like having products placed in videos and whatnot might be, might be a thing of the future. They always talked about, you know, how you can't have ads on jerseys for sports teams. Right. And now, especially like in hockey, they're having things on helmets and other stuff. So, it's it's not too far fetched to think that that could become the norm after a while. Yeah, no, hundred percent, totally. You know, you mentioned something else too. You know, bands bands using live streams and you know unable to do the meet and greets because of the fear of spreading the virus. So that might be have to you know that that might have to be paused temporarily. And I do think live streams kind of make up for that. You know, you can sell an intimate experience before a show. You know, we can get online a few hours before a show and do some acoustic things and, and whatnot or whatever you guys want to do, have a, a Q&A with your fans. So I think even though some bands have resisted using a live stream, I do think that that's going to be at least part of the arsenal for a band to bring fans in. And also, if you kind of just checked out what Sony's doing this week, a big article, big article, big article came out about their 360 audio platform that they're going to be doing for live streams. And what I envision is like when you buy your computer, you're going to have the option of buying it with like awesome audio speakers or the basic package. So then that that audio speaker package that you can get will enable you to listen to live streams like you're at a concert hall. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sick. I didn't hear about that, but yeah, sounds dope. No, I think that's, you know... Yeah, someone was telling me the other the other day about this, like, speaker box thing that was, like, exclusive to artists that are part of the, the company or whatever, or, part, you know, a partner in this, and that would give live performances only on this one product box speaker that you had. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but kind of the same lines of what you were talking about with Sony. So it's just like, you know, people definitely getting creative and finding new ways uh, 
to make this whole thing work. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm hoping that more of that stuff comes because, you know, it just gives a whole, it just elevates the whole live stream thing with better audio because it's really dependent on how you're listening to the live stream and what you're using. And of course, bands always want to sound the best. You know, you guys want to sound kick-ass because that's a reflection on who you guys are. And in the room, you can sound kick-ass, but the way it's sounding to people at home, you know, based on what they have, can it varies. And to take away that variance, if someone's really into concerts like myself, I'm going to invest in something that has great audio so I get to enjoy that stuff. But I think in the future, live streams are definitely here to stay I think they're going to take on a different form once shows get back because you're able to use that now. You know, when you have a few off days, you can do a live stream, you know, acoustic set or Q&A or whatever. But it's just a way for, for bands to, to you know, let's face it, you know, make money. And, and uh, you know, making money means more music, means more merchandise. Yeah, it makes that world go around. I, I, I do feel like it's a good thing. A lot of uh, bands have, I've seen been doing good with that whole online thing and, you know, virtual live shows and selling tickets before and stuff. And it's pretty cool. We haven't tapped into that yet, but um, we definitely do plan to what, in the near future. As far as the EP goes that you're releasing this year, you know, you've have two songs that are out now. You're, you're going to be releasing a third. How many songs total will be on the EP? Um, we're still up in the air about that. We're kind of, we go back and forth. We kind of, might leave these three songs as singles and uh, write a whole new EP. But um, we'll make that decision after this uh, next song rolls out and see how it goes. You know, when you're collaborating and writing music, you know, you, you talked about, you know, the production is important as much as, the, you know, the song is. What, you know, what's that like getting in the studio with, with you guys? Have you guys recorded this separately or is this all recorded prior to the pandemic? No, this was recorded prior to the pandemic. And then once we got everything in place, you know, pandemic had just started. And then um, ultimately, I, that's when we released it, you know. Yeah, we had everything pretty much ready to go. Um, then pandemic hit, and then we just, uh, like you said, we decided to release it in July. But we had everything ready to go. Yeah, well, we, we were like, we sit on this? We don't know what the hell this pandemic situation is going to be like which in hindsight, you know, I'm glad we didn't because it was a great chance to get the music out there and get the ball rolling, which, you know, allows us to get back in the studio now and get that, uh, that brand new shit out to you guys. And I have to say, you know, you guys have done well, all things considered. You're a new band, right? And, you know, no one knew of you guys a year ago today, right? I mean, they, you know, maybe you know, your close friends or people around you did that you guys may be forming this band and writing music, but... You put this music out, and you guys got, what, almost 50,000 views on YouTube for one song or something like that? That's pretty impressive for a band that has not toured, has no other material out, and it's a pandemic. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're beyond stoked, man. We're very excited for the future and um, just keep it going. It definitely was a long time coming. You know, a lot went into it, a lot of visual, a lot of uh, planning and figuring out that exact sound and how we want to present it to the world but we're just stoked that it's out there and uh people are receiving it well you know when you look back on your experiences with being in other bands and it not working out and you learn you know you learn just as much from success as you do from failure 
you know, what were some of the things yep. when you put together this band that, you know, was important, you know, with the whole learning experience that you guys went through going to LA, being in other bands, being on tours with this band and that band, what, um, what was important for you guys to have in above snakes that you learned from the past? Um, check the egos at the door. Number one, you know, it was like me and Dax, uh, are pretty chill people. And, um, the other two members are as well, you know, and that's the whole thing. We want people that, that would lay back and cool and, and we could vibe with and be with in a van for a long period of time and not want to kill each other. Um, but also just having the whole image and everything ready, you know, like I feel like we took them instead of putting demos out or putting the first thing out and then working that up. It was kind of like, let's make sure everything's there a hundred percent. You know, the visual is a hundred percent what we want it to be. And once we have that full package, then we'll release, you know, I feel like, you know, you get something going, you kind of jump the gun sometimes and then you don't get the response that you wanted. So there was definitely a lot of planning and, you know, taking our time until release day. That's important too, right? I mean, you don't want to ever rush anything. And sometimes bands kind of fall over themselves because they want to get stuff out before it's ready. It still needs, it still needs a few more, you know, ticks in the oven, so to speak, you know, before it's ready to be released. Um, but how important is that for you? I mean, it sounds like you've experienced some egos in the past, you know, with bands that you were in. How important is that for you guys to be around other musicians that are in your band that you can vibe with, that you can get along with? I mean, you know, is there ever a, a, a decision that this guy's a really good player, but he's kind of an asshole, you know? So maybe it's not a good fit. You know, has that, has that ever happened with you guys with this project? No, not with this project. Um, like you said, we were real careful about uh, like the decisions we made just from past experiences. So we were very, very cautious. Um, the uh, bass player we had, we actually knew from past bands, and um, the drummer just lucked out. We didn't know him before, but every like he's everyone's down to earth and and no egos at all, and everyone's stoked for uh, the future. You know, it's a lot easier to make a musician better than make an asshole not an asshole. (laughs) That is true, man. Once an asshole, always an (laughs) asshole. You know, Um, that doesn't change. That's a a great point. Um, That's got to be, you know, that's a good learning lesson that you guys were able to pick up on. You know, I mean, because some people do get blinded by talent where – you know, the guy is an exceptional player. He's just, he's awesome. But, and then you forget how, you know, we're going to be in a van with these people. We're going to be touring from town to town and you, you're in closed quarters. And, you know, if, if, if you don't like someone, it just gets magnified with, with that whole experience. It becomes, it's like, it's on steroids. Oh yeah. That's nowhere to be, nowhere you want to be. You know, I'm definitely guilty. I've been guilty of it. You know, um, buying into something and wanting to, you know, play with someone because they are, you know, a nasty musician or have that little bit of clout, but, you know, just never worked out for the right, for me, you know, that's why we were like, fuck that, we're going to start our own thing and, and do it our way. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, 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 uh, that's very smart of you guys to do that. Um, so the next single was out when? February 19th. I feel bad. With a video, I feel bad is the name of the track. That's yep, that's the name, and uh, we're dropping a video 
Game Day as a song this time around. So we're uh, very excited for that. Is and, and is this along the lines of the first two singles? Is there anything different about this song or video that you can tell your fans? The song is definitely a little uh, lower, maybe more of a rock ballad kind of feel, but um, still with a banging chorus and a heavy bridge. So um, I think people are going to dig it. And then, you know, who knows what lies after that, right? I mean, going to the studio, touring, whatever, we'll kind of just kind of have to wait and see what happens. Yep. But we will have new music for sure and uh, something new for everyone by, I'd say, springtime, summertime. Well, that's awesome. Well, Johnny. Even if we have to stay home and play at home, you know, (laughs) we'll play some new music. Doing uh, live streams from your living room. Exactly. Well, you know, real quick, that just that spawns another question. You know, with with the recording of new music after this single, obviously it's going to be difficult to get into a studio. Um, so things might have to be recorded remotely. You know, I've talked to some musicians who love the experience. You know, because it was more, um, you know, you can you, you can focus a little bit better maybe when you're in the studio versus. Um, you know, at home or vice versa, you know, depending on the individual you are. Have you thought about how that might go down? Um, well, we're fortunate enough to have a studio. Um, you know, we both have a studio here where we live. Uh, we have this nice setup that we've been building for the past um, couple of years, and we just finished it up. It's a pretty dope spot that we're demoing and, and writing music here and recording with people all the time. But um, we do like to get out and get into another space just to kind of clear our heads. We did do some sessions here for this project, and it was good, but we think it's better to just be able to kind of clear your head and get out of the everyday stuff and uh, be isolated. Yeah, and as far as, like, the virtual writing, like, it's, like, all right, but it's a lot better being in the same room. It's definitely not the same. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, hopefully things do change soon. Um, I'm looking forward to the new single called I Feel Bad. For those out there listening, check out the single Never Alone and Adrenaline. You can find them at AboveSnakesMusic.com. You can find them on social media. You guys on Twitter and Facebook too, right? Yep. You can find them on YouTube. Go check out their videos. They're really interesting. The imagery is going to connect with a lot of you that are listening because I know a lot of you guys are into kind of the same stuff I am. And once you see the imagery, you will immediately be blown away because you're like, wow, this is really cool. You don't see new bands do this like this is being done. So awesome job, guys. Thanks for doing this. Johnny Dax, I appreciate both of you coming on. Um, Really uh, high hopes for you guys here in the future. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. All right, man. Once again, that's Dax and Johnny from Above Snakes. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you.
Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. It never dawned on me how much walking I used to do until I bought a house in the suburbs. Like when I'd say, I'm going for coffee, of course I was walking. But now it's like three miles, and no latte's worth that. I find myself inviting people on walks with me, like it's a scheduled activity. This morning, my neighbor asked me what I'm doing, and I actually said, I'm going for a walk with Nancy. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 